This is Waterworks, an aquatic history of Milwaukee. Hey, this is Chris Cantwell, an assistant professor of history at UWM. And I'm Crescenda Henderson, a public history student. And so, Crescenda, what do you have for us today? So, as I was thinking about Milwaukee's history of water, I got really interested in finding out more about the system that brings us our water and how it came to be. Yeah, that kind of infrastructure question is pretty important. Right, and you'd think it was so important that people might actually have a sense of where we get our water and how we get it. But when I asked some friends and fellow students at UWM about it, the most common answer I got was, I don't know. All right, what do you know about water and where it comes from for the city of Milwaukee? I know that we have the beautiful Lake Michigan. Uh, I know that it's necessary for survival. That's about it. I believe it comes partially from Lake Michigan. The city of Milwaukee gets their water from Lake Michigan, to the best of my knowledge. Do you know anything about what it goes through to get from the lake to your house or back to the lake again? I do not. I'd be interested to learn. Um, no, I don't know other than, like, generally that it would need to go through some sort of process and structure and infrastructure, but I don't know anything specific, no. I know more about how it gets from my house back to the lake. Getting from the lake to my house, I know there's a series of pipes, just everywhere pipes. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And I gotta be honest, I also really don't know much about Milwaukee's drinking water other than that it does come from the lake. Right, and it's really unfortunate that people don't know more about Milwaukee's waterworks because in addition to being central to our daily lives, Milwaukee's water system was pioneering when it was first created and remains so today. Really? Yeah. The way we treat water that comes into the system is a model that other cities continue to look to, and the method that we use to decontaminate water before it goes back out into the lake was revolutionary for its time. In fact, one could even tell a history of the entire city through its water system, because it involves beer, socialism, politics, public health, and even contemporary social justice issues. Well, it sounds like you've got a pretty big story to tell, Crescenda. So why don't you go ahead and take it from here? Water. Growing up in the United States, water was something I never thought about. It's always there, readily available when you turn on the sink, the bathtub, or the shower. This is especially true of people that grew up around the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes are comprised of five of the largest freshwater lakes in the world. Lake Superior, Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, Lake Huron, and Lake Michigan. For the city of Milwaukee and its surrounding areas, most, if not all, of its municipal water comes from Lake Michigan so people don't sit around and wonder where their water comes from. The giant lake in their backyard is answer enough. But how does the water get from the lake to your house and back again? What steps does it go through in that process? How did any of this start? To answer some of these questions, I spoke with Anna Thorpe, a chemist who works with the city of Milwaukee Waterworks. 
<laughs> it's a kind of a long process. <laughs> so the process begins at the raw water intake, which is a 12 foot in diameter tunnel. It extends about a mile and a quarter out into the lake. It's an anchored intake, 65 feet deep. It's protected by a crib structure so that debris and fish do not get into the intake. Water is drawn from the intake tunnel to either the Linwood treatment plant or the Howard Avenue treatment plant. The first stop, it'll be either drawn from Linwood from the North Point pumping station or the Riverside pumping station. And then from there, it's distributed throughout the city. There's about 2,000 miles of water mains, and then it gets to your house. Once it gets to your house and it's used, it goes to the one of two reclamation facilities, either Jones Island or South Shore. Okay, so in a nutshell, water goes from an intake tunnel out in Lake Michigan to a treatment plant, then to a pump station, and from there it goes to my house. In the reverse process, it goes from my house to the Jones Island treatment facility where water and sewage are separated, treated, and then returned to the lake. That really is a lot of steps, and those are just the basic steps. Anna went on to tell me all about the five to six different steps involved in just the treatment of incoming water to the system. First, water has to be disinfected with ozone. Ozonation. It also improves the overall taste and odor of the water. Then it enters a filtration process. Coagulation and flocculation. Before continuing on to more filtration. Here at Linwood, we have 32 filter beds. They're dual media filter beds. They are filled with 24 inches of anthracite covering 12 inches of sand. They're considered biologically active, which means that there's a layer of microorganisms that live on the surface of the anthracite, and they help to capture any of the remaining organic matter that did not settle out in the sedimentation basins. After filtration, water is treated again. Sodium hypochlorite, basically bleach. We also add fluoride at this stage. From there, water is sent to wait in reservoirs before being sent to your house. But there's still one more step before it leaves the plant entirely. Just before it leaves the plant and enters the distribution system, we add ammonia. So all of these steps are just to treat the water before it gets to your house, and just as many steps on the opposite end before water gets put back into the lake. But this is the modern incarnation of the waterworks system. Water infrastructure in the city of Milwaukee was not always this complicated. In its earliest days, Milwaukee, well, it had no waterworks system. It was... They made use of streams and springs and, you know, local water sources. The water was relatively clean because there were very few people living here. This is Ben Barbera, a curator at the Milwaukee County Historical Society, whose exhibit on the history of our city's relationship with water is now on display. And Ben points out how in its earliest years, Milwaukee's water system was concerned only with distribution, not sanitization. But as the city grew, you know, pumps and, and wells and things like that became insufficient to get clean water to everybody. Around 1844, they put in the first uh, sort of pipe system and it was tamarack logs. So they bored a hole in some logs and put these under the street. And, you know, it worked for transferring spring water from a spring, you know, a couple thousand feet maybe down the road to a hotel or to a building. 
but again, this is this is also insufficient, and there began to be pretty significant water issues because you had, you know, privies and outhouses next to wells, and water was becoming contaminated. In the 1860s, city leaders realized that they needed to start making some changes. In order to make sure residents had sufficient access to clean water, an engineer from Chicago was hired to create Milwaukee's water infrastructure system. They were going to put a reservoir up on a hill at what would now be North Avenue and 2nd, roughly. So that was going to be the reservoir where the water would sit, but then they'd have to get it there. So they built a long intake out into the lake and a pumping system to pump the water up the hill to the reservoir to be collected in the reservoir. And then it was a gravity-driven system through the pipes to get it throughout the city. Okay, so let's pause for a second to let this sink in. This historic process has a lot less steps than the modern one. Water would go from an intake tunnel to a pump station, up to a reservoir, and then to your house. And from your house, get flushed back into the Milwaukee River, which would flow right back out into the lake. Not a lot of talk about treatment processes in there. Clean water predated what to do with wastewater. So for a long time, wastewater just made its way into the rivers in the streams and then eventually out into the lake with no treatment whatsoever. So initially what they, rather than trying to treat the water going out, what they were trying to do is treat the water coming in. And so fairly early on in the 20th century, they started uh, using chlorine to clean the water. And this reduced a lot of outbreaks of various problems uh, like cholera and stuff like that. But the water was still not particularly potable. This isn't to say that people didn't understand the importance of sanitary water. And this is where the drink that made Milwaukee famous intersects with our story. The first attempt at building a comprehensive water infrastructure system came in 1869, and it is believed that the system's first customer was the brewery that would become Pabst. And this was because beer was in many ways an unofficial part of Milwaukee's water supply. You know, people used to drink a lot of beer, light beer, essentially, you know, like low alcohol beer, because it was safer to drink than the water, because it would go through a pasteurization uh, process that would kill any of the bacteria or anything that was in there. So because of that, the, the water quality wasn't as big of an issue because of the process that brewing took. But even with this new water system and the availability of clean drinking beer, Sporadic outbreaks of illness caused by contaminated drinking water continued to plague the city. And so, in 1888, the city decided that the best way to address the polluted rivers would be to clean them out. To do this, they built the Milwaukee River Flushing Station, which still exists at the corner of Lincoln Memorial Drive and Lafayette Hill today, but it is now a Colectivo coffee house. In order to clean the rivers, what they decided to do was flush them with lake water. Uh, and so they built a flushing station to pump water into the rivers and flush out all the waste. So they literally turned the rivers into a toilet, basically, where the toilet bowl that holds the fresh water was Lake Michigan. And then you have this, this mechanism to flush the water, bring in clean water from Lake Michigan and move all the wastewater out of the rivers. Unfortunately, it also moved it right back out into the lake. So, for all of its innovation, the potential problems of this system seem pretty obvious. So long as the river's flow remained slow and consistent, the lake could absorb the pollutants. 
but whenever a heavy rainfall flushed the sewers into the city's rivers and streams, drinking water inevitably became contaminated again. It wasn't until the mid-20th century that the city's modern infrastructure took shape. Alongside the rise of the Socialist Party in the city, which we'll talk about in another episode, the city put a great deal of emphasis behind providing safe public resources for everyone. In 1914, um, the city hired an engineer uh, to consider the best ways to deal with treating wastewater. And there was an experimental um, system being used in England called uh, the activated sludge method. Now, this experimental method may have been born in England, but it was Milwaukee that perfected it. What this method essentially boils down to was oxygen. By forcing a bunch of air into the sewage, you separate out all the bad stuff. You then let the separated sludge dry out, and you're left with a compound that became known as melorganite, which, as it turns out, is an amazing fertilizer. The Jones Island Water Reclamation Facility went into effect in 1925 and was joined by the South Shore Reclamation Facility in 1968. The Linwood Water Treatment Plant was added to the system to better treat incoming water in 1939, and was joined by the Howard Avenue Treatment Plant in the 1960s. This system of water treatment was revolutionary, and it worked brilliantly, right up until it didn't. In 1993, the unthinkable happened. A toxic bacteria known as Cryptosporidium managed to corrupt Milwaukee's water supply after a filtration system at the city's Howard Avenue treatment plant failed. That spring, the city's health department noted a wave of gastrointestinal illness while residents complained that the water coming from their tap smelled. Before long, an estimated 400,000 residents became ill and at least 69 people died. But the outbreak became a particular crisis for Milwaukee's LGBTQ community, who was then still dealing with the ravages of the AIDS crisis. HIV, the virus that caused AIDS, weakened the body's immune system, limiting a person's ability to fight off even mild infections. For those suffering from AIDS, the cryptosporidium outbreak was more than just a nuisance. It was deadly. The protest sounds you hear now come from a demonstration organized by Milwaukee's AIDS activists, who clearly recognize the impact the outbreak can have. In fact, the failure of Milwaukee's water system became a pivotal moment in the history of the city's queer community, helping them organize to bring about change. Buried in the archive of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's HIV-AIDS Oral History Project are dozens of stories of the ways in which the histories of water and sexuality connect. I remember one weekend during the crypto outbreak, seven of the men she worked with died in one weekend from cryptosporidium. Uh, it was horrible. It was just constant, the phone calls and the help me and the, there was nothing that we could do. Yeah. There was nothing we could do. Um, so when you're health commissioner, it's a funny thing, people think you know things you don't know, like that weekend before we were really hit with a, a 
severity of what was going on. You know, people would say to me, Paul, what's going on? You know, my wife's sick, or, you know, my kids are sick, and I think I'm going to keep them out of school on Monday. It's like, I don't know, I'll have to see when I get back. You know, you don't think much about it, because we always get colds, spring colds, winter colds. This was spring of 1993. And we got in Monday, and I looked around, and I said, gee, there's, there's a lot of people missing. This outbreak remains the largest epidemic of waterborne disease in U.S. history. Despite the awful nature of the outbreak, a better future for the Milwaukee water system came from the wreckage. After the Howard Avenue treatment plant was shut down for resurfacing and the water mains flushed, two changes came to Milwaukee. First, new standards for water treatment were instigated at the Linwood treatment plant and later the Howard plant when it was reopened. This treatment process is the one that is still in effect today. All the capital improvements that have occurred, especially since the crypto outbreak um, that we put out a pretty high quality product. This is Anna Thorpe again, a chemist with Milwaukee Waterworks. And her pride in the purity of Milwaukee's water system stems from the ways in which a healthy water supply contributes to an equitable society. And, you know, we do vigorous testing um, I mean, we're constantly testing on a daily basis. Uh, we test annually for over 500 contaminants uh, in the water, and we always uh, do very well on those with those results. Um, so I think at this point, um, the way that we've been treating water has been has been successful. In addition to testing, Milwaukee was finally able to finish construction on the Deep Tunnel Project. This deep tunnel was a decades-long project conceived of the Clean Water Act of 1972. The nearly 30-mile tunnel, which was dug nearly 300 feet underground, stores roughly 520 million gallons of water. Essentially, this tunnel is a backup where wastewater can be held until treatment plants are available. Both of these new standards have created a water treatment system that has set the standard, and many cities now model their treatment plants after Milwaukee's. And the scope of Milwaukee's water infrastructure system allows for the city to service not just Milwaukee with clean water, but a growing number of nearby cities, villages, and counties as well. We do service like 16 surrounding communities. Milwaukee has even reached an agreement recently in order to help the nearby city of Waukesha with their own water crisis. So you see, although water infrastructure may seem boring, it is just as essential to the history of our city as anything else. In fact, it is woven into the history of this city just as deeply as the water itself. Christinda Henderson is getting her master's degree in public history at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. A Yankee ship came down the river, blow, boys, blow. A Yankee ship came down the river, blow, boys, bonny boys, blow.
Well, our show today was produced by Chrisenda Henderson with help from myself and the students of History and New Media at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. The episode featured material from the Milwaukee County Historical Society and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's archives. Music for this episode is by the Blue Dot Sessions, while our concluding song is A Yankee Ship Came Down the River and comes from the Wisconsin Folk Song Collection at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Our voices for this week were Brittany Groskoff, Olivia Hoff, and Sarita Stutkin. Thanks this week go out to Anna Thorpe, and an extra special thanks to Ben Barbera of the Milwaukee County Historical Society, who in addition for sitting for an interview, also curated Milwaukee, Where the Waters Meet, an exhibit that inspired this season. Milwaukee, Where the Waters Meet is on display at the Milwaukee County Historical Society from now through April 23, 2022. Waterworks is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's Department of History and the Milwaukee County Historical Society. For more information about the show, including photographs and documents from the era, check out milwaukeehistory.net slash podcast. And thanks for listening. A loudmouth disbarred Boston lawyer Blow, boys, bonnie boys, blow.